What is going on everyone? My name is Andy. Welcome back to another FPL video. I'm happy to say in this one we have a guest on. We're going to go through their draft and we're going to answer some of your questions as well. So please welcome Praz. How are you doing? I'm very well, thank you, Andy. Thanks for having me again. Uh, always a pleasure to listen to you and to talk to you. So thanks. Yeah, I sent you. A, I sent you a message on Twitter the other day. Someone said I can't remember what it was now that I should pay you to come on or something, or we should do a channel together or something like that. So last time you were on, people loved it, so we thought we'd do it again. Uh, like I said, we're going to go through the draft, then we've got some of your questions as well. How are you finding kind of preseason in terms of pricing and stuff like that? Because I think when they first came out, I thought they were quite cheap, but now I've actually started building drafts. I find it a little bit more difficult than I thought I would. How are you? Yeah. Finding? Look, I think the so there's like a tier one pricing, which is expensive for the tier one guys, which you can basically have maximum of two. And then after that, the tier two guys, I think, are still on the softer side, on the cheap side. So I think we are we will be able to afford teams of top six, top eight teams, which is basically what I think FPL wants us to do so that they're marquee names that we know of. So it's a mixed bag, I think. I'm in a similar position to you where there's some very, very big decisions that need to be made between now and game week one deadline. But I think I feel settled enough to know where I'm landing in terms of price points, at least. Yeah, gone are the days where you have to worry about who were the most attacking 4.5 million defenders from the newly promoted size. You can just kind of forget about them these days. Like you said, it's mostly just uh, top six. Well, let's just jump straight into the draft uh, and check it out. So you're on a... 352 formation which a lot of people are i think this is going to be the big one usually it's 343 but this year um this seems to be the way most people are going so i'm just going to quickly read it out so you've got fabianski and Ariola as your two goalkeepers obviously both from west ham uh and luke shaw chillwell in defense then matoma martinelli rashford bruno fernandez and saka in midfield jesus up front harland as well of course we don't really need to talk too much about him and then the other bench players are botman uh bayer from burnley who's four million and surridge which is just a four 4.5 million uh, forward. No Trent, no Salah. Uh, I gotta be honest, when I saw Trent coming at 8 million, I knew it would put people off, but I thought to myself, I would definitely have him. But I also don't have him in my draft. So maybe that 0.5 million was quite clever from FPL. Two questions around those players. The first one is if we fast forward to game week one and you've got one of those two players in your draft, who do you think it's more likely to be out of Salah and Trent? Oh, very tough. Um, look, I think from a captaincy perspective, I know where you're going. I don't see myself, apart from Game Week 2, captaining Salah. So I think, and the fact that there's a lot of midfielders, I think Trent would be the straight answer to your question because I think Trent is value even at 8 million, whereas Salah is eating up a lot of your budget. So the sacrifices you need to make in this particular draft for Salah would be more than just you know two players. Whereas for Trent, you can pretty much get there by downgrading a midfielder. So I can see myself getting to a Trent if he really shows, uh, you know, the same form that he ended the season with. And more importantly, Liverpool look a lot more solid because of a better midfield. And I'll just put the caveats out right now. Obviously, this is very early on. There's still like 30 or more days until we get to game week one. So everything can change. Um, but what do you think you're going to have to see in preseason? Or what would you be waiting to kind of emerge to think about putting them in because obviously the difference between your highest price defender now which is 5.5 million and Trent is two and a half million so you've got to find that from somewhere so is there anything you're waiting to see before you make that yeah. decision yeah so I think people sort of simplify it by saying we just need to see Liverpool right I think it's a lot more than that so I think first let's talk about Salah one important thing that I need to see in preseason is a 
cheap striker emerge and that could be five and a half that could be six million so let's say calvert lewin is banging in the goals or uh, ferguson is starting every single game for brighton i think these guys i can immediately then shave off the two million from jesus go down to that particular striker suddenly now i have money to upgrade my midfielder to a salah by downgrading someone else so you know you can see a path towards getting to a salah if i don't see that striker emerge and I'm not yet convinced of a seven and a half million striker, then I'm thinking maybe eight million is the way to go. So then that makes Salah that much more difficult. So, you know, Salah could do very well in preseason. That's no surprise. But it's more other people need to do better as enablers to think that maybe, you know, an Mbuma, for example, I don't. I only have one 6.5 million slot, which we'll, we'll, we'll talk about. I want to see more. And if there's two or three people that are putting their hands up, then maybe it's worth downgrading a Martinelli to go there. So if you see what I mean, I think there's, other peripheral players that need to show something for me to go for a Salah. In terms of a trend, I think my defense is, and most people's defense is so good at the five and five and a half million price bracket, it's very hard to make a case to go a trend over them. So I need to see something maybe, you know, Chelsea is still not clicking and, you know, the Chelsea fullbacks are not an option anymore. Maybe the City defensive rotation is still rife and we just don't know who's starting. That could sort of edge me more towards a trend. Yeah, fair enough. You actually mentioned the Chelsea players there. You've got Chilwell. I think generally in the drafts that I'm seeing, there's not a huge amount of Chelsea defence. And I think when there is, it's usually Reese James. You're the first person I've seen that's put Ben Chilwell in a draft. I'm sure there's some more out there, but you're the first one that I've seen. Um, talk us through that. And I guess in terms of Chelsea wingbacks or, or fullbacks, how they'll probably be now, one of the things that people just can't get over is the injury proneness of both of them. I know Chilwell was a little bit better in the last season, but they both tend to be injury prone. Do you think they're just so good when they're fit that you should just ignore that? Or is that like a worry for you as well? I think there is a worry. So there's no kidding around that, you know, the Chelsea system, how Pochettino sort of uh, beds in back with this team. They were so bad last season. Uh, it's a worry. So we will see how they perform, how what formations he's using, because Pochettino also sometimes used three at the back. So you may never know, you know, he may he may use the wing back system as well. Let's see which other midfielder they buy, if they can actually get Casado. Casado and Enzo will be great as a, as a foil for that defense as well. There's a lot to be seen with Chelsea, to be honest. It just appeals to me because as it happens, Chelsea is top of the ticker for the first eight game weeks, even though their first fixture will put people off, which is Liverpool. I think that's a, a fixture where you can even play Botman, for example, who has Villa at home, which is, you know, Newcastle are very good at, at home. So I just think that this, you know, you can also add Brighton in this, by the way. Brighton, Chelsea and Newcastle, they rotate so beautifully where... The first game week, you can play your Newcastle defender. Then Chelsea has a great run for the next seven game weeks. Estupinan has great fixtures for the first three, four game weeks. And after that, Newcastle have great fixtures. So, you know, of course, there will be transfers that we'll make. But on paper, this defense seems pretty good for the next eight game weeks. Unless, of course, somebody like a Trent or a City defender puts their hands up. But there's just so many options. You have to go with what you have. And these three are pretty good in terms of attacking output. Yeah, you made me quite excited then thinking that Pochettino might play wing-backs. And every, I, I kind of just assumed he's probably going to play a back four, but I guess there is a there is always a chance. For me, I think that Chelsea and Spurs are probably the two teams I most want to see in pre-season because I think they've got plenty... Obviously, Kane's 12.5 million, fair enough, but pretty much everyone else in both of those teams is at a price point where it could be cheap. Even Son yeah. at 9 million could be cheap. So I want to see how those two play, like formations, the setup, who's likely to be first 11 and stuff like that. But I'm definitely interested. Uh, and I'll, I'll probably have one of Chihuahua or James by the time um, I kind of get there. I think one of the things that 
I've seen people worry about, and I just want to know if you worry about it too, is is how you're going to get to a player if, you know, if Trent or Salah does really well in the first couple of games, like how will you get there? I feel yeah. like people are more comfortable going from Salah to spreading the money than they are from a cheaper player spreading it up, if that makes sense. Do you worry about that? or you, are you Do you think you can hold your nerve if Salah scores two goals against Chelsea and then has Bournemouth at home? You have to. I mean, if you're not going with, you know, you have to make your peace in game week one that I'm not going for Salah and not, and even if he does well against Chelsea, I have to hold my nerve for the next three, four game weeks because of course we know he's going to do well. I mean, there's a tendency to think that if I'm, if I don't own a certain player, then he's going to blank every game week. Of course, Salah is going to do well. He's going to score 250 points this season. The question is Salah plus, you know, your 6 million striker and your 6 million mid Will they do as well as your two 8.5 million mids and your eight 8 million striker? Basically, that's the math you need to make. And if you think that your Arsenal mids and your Arsenal striker or whoever else other people go for in their attack, if they are better in aggregate, then that's basically the math they need to do in their head. So yeah, FOMO will be there. Um, and then your other question in terms of how will you get there? I think, again, people overplay this element a lot in terms of if I don't go with Trent, how will I get Trent? Well, in my my particular draft, I have to downgrade Martinelli to a six million mid, and I can upgrade, you know, I can uh, or or a Jesus to a six million uh, striker that emerges, and then I have funds to go to Trent eventually. So it's not that difficult if you wanted to go there. Uh, you know, it's it's basically the the same discussion as if you had Trent and you wanted to go for a better fourth midfielder, you would have to downgrade a Trent. And then get, let's say, a son if you wanted to. So the same math applies either way, just where the bandwagon emerges. Yeah, I think I think one of the reasons we will come off Trent and Salah in a second, but one of the reasons I I haven't got Trent right now is just because I prefer. I think he's great for eight million. He'll definitely keep up with the the midfielders at the same price. But I'm not quite so sure it works the other way around. Like you've already said, there's loads of good five five point five million defenders. There's not so many right now, at least, good five five point five million midfielders. So that's kind of why. I'm not with him. It's exactly like you've said. It's, I think Trent will probably go and score 180 to 200 points, and at some point I'll probably own him. Whether or not that's game week one, we'll have to um, see. Quick question. You got Chilwell instead of James. Is there any, I didn't ask you why that is. Is there any particular reason? Well, no, no, no particular reason. I just, just think at the moment, yeah, it's just a placeholder. I think I think we will watch. Um, it just feels like uh, you know James doesn't have the same competition that Chilwell has, but then both should be pretty nailed. And James has the fitness issue. So I think if you wanted to completely avoid any, you know, fitness backlashes or anything else, I think Chilwell came out pretty okay back end of last season, whereas James still had the, his problem. So I love James. I love Chilwell. So it'll be one of the two. We'll see which one it is. Fair play. We'll come on to the triple Arsenal attack in a second. On one of those players in particular, Marcelli, that's another player I've barely seen in any drafts. I'm... I want to be careful how I say this because people always pick up. I, I, I'm slightly concerned about his minutes. Not that I don't think he's going to start. I, I, of course I do. Right? I think him, Jesus, Saka is going to be the front three again. But he has got competition from Trossard in terms of he could get subbed early. Uh, and I think there is a key difference compared to what happened last year because Jesus is hopefully going to be fully fit. They've got Nketiah. Havertz can play up front as well. So Trossard's not necessarily needed for that number nine position. Do you have any concerns? Because I quite like Odegaard, to be honest, but I know there's obviously the 0.5 million difference. You worried about Martinelli? I, if you gave me 0.5, maybe I would switch, but I think there is also this element of Martinelli playing with Jesus and his output has been great. Yeah, yeah. I think we've, we've been worried about Martinelli's minutes all season, 
but it is another, you know, it is another year. Uh, Smithrow is back. You don't know where Havertz plays. Probably the Xhaka role, but maybe Havertz could play off the left. So yes, there is, of course, a worry. But I think on paper, I'd rather, you know, 8 million is a is a great price. He's a little bit cheaper. It affords me a Chilwell instead of maybe a Nathan Ake for 5 million or somebody else. And, you know, that fixture, Nottingham Forest at home, Fulham at home in the first three, I mean, that's just too good. So if you see him getting a lot of minutes... I think with Arsenal and Man City, the, the the community shield will be so important because I think they will both put out, you know, like last season, the Liverpool yeah, City yeah. one. Now, Liverpool won it, but did Liverpool? I think Liverpool won it. But but still, no, did City win it? I can't it? remember. I, Jen, yeah. I'd have to look at it. You keep <laughs> That's talking, how irrelevant the results are. But the fact of the matter is they do play this, their stronger teams and therefore you do get to see a little bit of, you know, last season we saw how Haaland is bedding in, how Darwin Nunes is. So similarly, I think they will put out their stronger teams and and we'll get a little bit more on how they're thinking in terms of lineup. Yeah, I, I'm just going to clarify because every time I say about minutes with Mars Nelly, people think that... I just think for the first six games, he's not going to start. I just think he's more likely to be subbed, that's all. Um, but I guess for this draft, when you haven't got that 0.5, it's not really a massive issue. And by the way, Liverpool did win 3-1. Uh, Alvarez scored, Trent, Salah and uh, Nunez, of course. Um, one player you don't have because of that triple attack is Gabriel. Uh, I'm going to guess because because of those fixtures you just mentioned, Nottingham Forest, oh, Fulham, oh, you're not particularly worried about that? Yeah, not worried, but I I do agree with a lot of the the analysis that Gabriel is the standout five million pick, but then there is no standout eight million midfielder other than that's, the Arsenal mids. Yeah, that that was probably actually a better question. Is there any other attackers you consider? I mean, Jesus is eight, Marcelli is eight, so really you're coming down a little bit. So up front you've got Nkunku, uh, Darwin Nunez, Gakpo. In midfield it's Madison, I guess at seven and a half, Sterling at seven. I mean, a lot of those players, I feel like, are either minutes issues or they're in a team where you're not quite sure how they're going to perform. I would say you haven't really got any any issues. Like in, uh, That's not the right word. You've got fairly solid picks you're not going to have to worry about. There's no, like, oh, what, how is Sterling going to perform? Where's Madison going to play? Are you thinking about maybe putting in one of those players? Or, or are you well, happy that, to go steady at the start? That's exactly why I want four big midfielders. Because I feel like after two game weeks... What's going to happen? What's going to happen is one of Sterling, Madison, Foden, Luis Diaz. These guys in from 7 to 7.5 million price bracket. Could be others, obviously. We are going to put their hand up. And at that point, people who have a Trent draft and not a four, four heavy midfielders draft will actually struggle to get the money out because they, they, you know, they'll be hesitant to sell Trent. They won't sell Haaland, obviously. Selling your Arsenal mids and your Man United mids will always be difficult because they've got good fixtures and they're nailed and they have good output. So therefore, I feel like if I have, let's say Martinelli is that spot, that I've got my three games out of Martinelli and maybe he is a minutes risk going forward. I now have that one slot which I can use if Sterling is really doing really well, Madison is really bedding in, Luis Diaz is looking great. That's roughly why I want that fourth midfielder to be a big you know, I call these heavy hitters, they're all 8, 9 million, but they are heavy hitters in terms of underlying data. I want these guys in so that instead of a Mumo, for example, which is also popular in some drafts, because of that reason that I can make that lateral move. Yeah, sounds fair to me. Let me ask you some kind of um, quick fire questions about some of these players. Rashford and Fernandez, obvious why you've got both. If you could only have one? Rashford. Rashford, easy. Matoma 6.5, is that a placeholder or do you think he is just the best 6.5 as it stands? Placeholder. If I see uh, gross 
playing number 10 a lot more on penalties, then he's a good shout. March is obviously a darling of ours. He he owes us a goal from last season. So um, he's obviously an option. But I think I'm, you know, in terms of answering the question, I am leaning towards a Brighton mid over an Mbumo because I'm a little bit more skeptical about how Brighton play without Tony whether he's playing centrally or not. A lot of people have assumed he's going to play striker. He won't if they play 4-3-3. So there's a lot more questions that I have on Mbuma. I know what I get with the Brighton mid. Yeah, I think I've seen a bit of scepticism around Brighton attackers, and I don't really get it. I know that Matoma got very few attacking returns towards the end of the season, but I, I was checking earlier, Matoma, March, their underlying numbers, expected goals, expected assists per night, are great for their price. They could easily be 7 or 7.5 million. Brighton's attack in general is just amazing under Deserby. So I don't really... They're, they're, they're popular enough, but there is some scepticism. I just don't really get it, to be honest. Uh, Matoma's my favourite, but like you said, March is great. I think the only slight issue for me, and again, we'll probably see this throughout pre-season, is possible rotation. They've got so many attackers there that can play in, in different positions. But I think if you're... Talking about what is the first eleven for Brighton, well, Matoma's the first choice left wing and March is first choice right wing, and I don't think that's going to change by game week one. Um, so yeah, I, I agree. I think Matoma's great. I, I'm not quite I'm not quite sure about Matoma versus Mbomo. I guess, like you said, we're gonna have to see how Brentford line up and no Tony's gonna be a bit of an issue, but um the fact he's on penalties and stuff I I kinda like personally. Um I just oh yeah, goalkeepers was the other thing I was gonna ask you about. Um you got Fabianski and Ariola. There's some speculation that maybe Ariola will become first choice if he does become first choice and we get confirmation from David Moyes will you switch Fabianski to someone else or do you just like having a guaranteed goalkeeper for 8.5 if I get news that uh, Ariola is starting then I'm having two 4.0 keepers this isn't like the Leicester situation oh, wow. I think West Ham's numbers are fine so I don't think it's as much of an issue that 0.5 will help me get Martinelli uh, you know or I guess I can't think at the moment but uh Shaw to a or a Stupinian to a city city defender, maybe Stones. I think there's a lot you can do with the point five or even keep it for, for another time. So I don't want to spend a lot on my keepers. I'd rather sort of see over the first eight game weeks who's emerging as the Raya or the Pope of last seasons. So I think I think it's it's okay. Ariola for West Ham is a good defense and you can back it with a four million. Yeah, I, I don't know why. I didn't even think about that. I just assumed that if Ariola was first choice, I'd just get a different 4.5. But yeah, spend, uh, saving 0.5 million um, might be pretty helpful. And like you said, West Ham defensive numbers aren't too bad. Uh, let's talk about Man City. You mentioned maybe getting one of their defenders in that's 5.5. You've only got Harden, which you know everyone's got at the moment. There's Foden at 7.5, Grealish at 7.5, Ake and Akanji at 5. I guess Stones is the one most people want at 5.5 if they're going to buy a defender. Um, do you think it's worth the headache this early on to to get uh, a Man City player in? It's such a strange thing. You know, when FPL were releasing prices, in terms of interactions, the least I remember were the ones when City's prices were released. It's so sad, right? I mean, it's the best team that scores the most goals. But the problem is there's just so much rotation. And this year, as you know, there's the Super Cup as well uh, between Game Week 1 and Game yeah. Week 2, where they travel to Greece in the middle of, uh, you know, between Game Week 1 and 2. So, who knows who starts in game week two? I am not going there. I don't think. Even Foden, I was tempted because there's a lot of talk of him playing the Gundogan role or him getting more minutes this season. But who am I dropping here if I'm getting a Foden? So I'd rather go with the tried and tested guys who I know are nailed and are scoring goals for their team. So it's tough. 
Yeah, obviously, the I've thought about this quite a lot. Obviously, the big advantage with Foden is he's only 7.5. So he's cheaper than all those midfielders apart from a timer that might let you upgrade somewhere else. And I've kind of have talked myself into it that in the past, Pep Guardiola has talked about certain players that are always fit. And Phil Foden is one of those players. I think Mahrez was one as well. Whereas, you know, coming back into preseason, he's going to be ready to go. By game week one, he's going to be ready to go. But... You know, will he play as an A? If not, is Grealish going to continue on the left? And if Mares and Bernardo Silva are still at the club, is he going to get in at right wing? Possibly, but I, I don't. I'm not even sure if I had a Man City midfielder all of last season. I just, really? I, I feel like I'm probably talking rubbish, but I don't really remember. I never owned De Bruyne. I always had Salah. Maybe I went for Foden at some point, probably, but I just, I just don't know if it's worth the headache. It's, it's not like Rashford is three, four million more. It's only like one, one point five kind of upgrade and in defense i think everyone likes stones because he plays in midfield but i don't think i don't think he's massively more attacking than most of those five or 5.5s i think it sounds good when you say it out loud he's playing in midfield but sometimes the fullbacks are further forward do you know what i mean or especially teams that play in winback so i'm kind of with you i just i'm not sure i can really get behind it at all I, th- I think Stones, in terms of 5.5s, is even even at that level, he's not close in terms of the Chelsea guys and, and Shaw. Um, you know, Fabian Scher is 5. If the fixtures were better, I think we'd be talking about Agreed. about him a lot more as well. So, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I think Ake is one that you could think about, but then they're looking to sign Guardiola, so things are going to get even more complicated in that back line. Akanji is another one at 5, but why? When you have Estupinian, who's so attacking, got 19 points in single game, you know, those guys just have much more upside. Yeah, I guess the Man City defence is great. And the fixtures are ridiculously strong for Man City first seven game weeks. So there could be plenty of clean sheets there. But I feel like we've both been here before with Edison. Yeah. I, I take it you're not considering him at all, no? It's, you know, it, my question, someone asked me if, if Edison was 4.5, would you go there? I think I would for 4.5, but even for 5. I think this year there's enough options. A million at this point of the season is a lot. You know, we we all you know we all joke around with with Edison and his value. I think his value comes at the back end of the season when City are in so many competitions late. Then you get double after double after double, and you get you want to get some access to these clean sheets. But I think early season when there's no games advantage, you just you can get another nail keeper who'll get the exact same minutes, maybe fewer clean sheets, but more save points. Just not worth a million. If he was five, I think I would buy him. But yeah, five if five point five, I just don't think I can do it. I think it's it's tried and tested that you start with a four point five million keeper, and I feel like I think there's just a lot of options. You've got Fabianski to guarantee the West Ham. I think Flecken's going to be probably first choice at Brentford. If we know who's number one at Brighton, they're also four point five. I, I think the only way I would maybe go up a little bit more expensive is possibly Onana. Yeah, it, I was going to talk about Onana. Yeah, right. if for some reason. I found a better combination of outfield players where I didn't necessarily need Luke Shaw. And I think he's a great option, and he's definitely worth paying 0.5 over the other defenders. But if Onana comes in at 5, I do wonder whether I would consider here. What are your thoughts as to why you, you think he'd be good? So last season, a lot of people remember Shaw getting all these bonus points because of his pass completion, right? Because what was De Gea doing? He can't pass himself. So he was giving it to Shaw, and Shaw was distributing the ball. So you get a lot of bonus through that. Now, what's going to happen is Unana is good at good at passing. So he will not pass to Shaw. He will actually distribute it around. And he will get that bonus. Or we expect that he will get that bonus if they keep the clean sheet. So that's actually a negative a little bit on Shaw and a big positive on him. So any clean sheet, I expect Unana to be in there in, t- in terms of the bonus. 
And then the other thing is Shaw will also now share set pieces. And I know he was sharing with Ericsson, but you know, Mount is very good at them as well. Bruno will be there as well. So I think it slightly reduces the appeal. And if it's 0.5 saving, so I can see, for example, in this draft, I could go Onana in 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 my in my goal and then get a if a, a five million defender. Maybe if Ake is, is is there or Cher is there or Gabriel if you have an Arsenal defender slot. So I think there's an other options in five million. You don't have to spend five point five. So that could find you the zero point five for an Onana. Yeah, I think he's gonna be I think he's gonna be popular. It sounds like the deal's gonna be done this week. It's like one of those that's gonna happen. It just hasn't happened yet. And I think he has to be five. There's no reason to go five point five. Um so yeah, I think he's gonna be popular. Yeah, I I mean overall there's nothing like obviously down downsides to this draft. I, I guess a four million defender um for Bernie is probably gonna concede a lot, but the chances are you're just not gonna use him that much and you've got Botman there instead. So there's not really um any huge concerns. And maybe if you go five million defender and anana I don't know, maybe you find some other money. But yeah, all looking good. Let's move on to some of the questions. We've only got a few, not a huge amount. Uh, the first one, I already I already know your answer and I already know why. Um, but a few people have, have asked this. Can Salah and Kane combined cover Haaland? And the, there's a problem with the question because it's not Salah and Kane versus Haaland. It's Salah and Kane versus Haaland plus someone else, right? So, I, I mean, there's no point in even asking. You, you've not even considered once going out about Haaland, obviously. If, if FPL changed the rules and they made the rules to say your captain and vice captain score double points and you wanted two big hitters, then you can start to think about it. But because it's that one person and this one person is could score 300 points this year, it's just not worth it. And especially early in the season, you know, you just rather have Haaland in place, not go against the crowd too much. And then you can change if he's unfit or something. But no, nah, I don't think it's worth it. Yeah, interesting. Everyone's everyone's kind of talking about getting salary. But if you look at the fixtures for Spurs, they, that, they've got that a bit like Chelsea, that game week three to five period where they're playing pretty good um, fixtures. So I, I actually think everyone's kind of overlooking Kane a little bit, but he's, he's just very difficult to fit in. So uh, I don't think most people are going to start with him. Um, I, guess, I guess if you don't want Jesus, he's the easiest way to cover that second striker spot, but it just costs so much money. You mentioned Mason Mount already. Obviously, he's now confirmed as a Man United player. So this question is, do you think Mason Mount could emerge as the best underpriced player? Uh, bearing, I mean, he's 7 million, so you've got Sterling at the same price. Madison is 0.5 more. Uh, do we know how a midfield of Bruno, Casemiro, Mason Mount lines up? Who plays as a number 10 and who will be deeper? So I guess that's one of those things we're waiting for preseason, right? See how they line up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of theories going around the internet on... Mason Mount being a very good ball progressor, ball carrier, almost like a mini Frankie de Jong. So people expect him at the moment to play in the Ericsson role and basically be, you know, mobile for 90 minutes where Ericsson has been tiring out very, very early. So in that scenario, maybe he's not as great an FPL option. He could be still fine for 7 million. He's still on set pieces. He will still get forward. But I think in that case, Bruno will be great. But you could equally see that in matches that they're swapping because Bruno last year when Sabitzer was starting was playing the eight alongside Casemiro and he was great at that as well. So maybe the idea is to be a little bit more dynamic and that's not great for either or maybe it's okay for both. So it's just one to watch uh, as we see preseason. Yeah, that's that's how I was thinking that maybe Casemiro will obviously be the, the the DM and maybe they'll both kind of take up like number eight free rolls or something like that where, you know, one, when one goes, one stays back. Uh, you're absolutely right. Bruno Fernandes was great in that deeper role. And not only was he good, Ten Hag made a point of mentioning that quite a lot of times when he played yeah. that role. So obviously nothing has to be set in stone right now, but this is definitely one of those things alongside Spurs and Chelsea that I would keep an eye on. Because if Mason Mount's getting forward for seven million... Um, he could be a better option because minutes wise I think he's going to be pretty good I know yeah. like you said that um, 
you know, a lot of people think he's just going to step straight in for Ericsson. Whether or not that hap- happens, Ericsson's going to see reduced minutes this year. I don't think his legs can keep up with that um, kind of role. So that's one of the reasons Mason Mount's been brought in. All right, next question. Is Son a better or worse pick if Kane leaves? And I, I don't know. I personally don't think he's going to leave for what it's worth. Uh, but there's lots of rumours from Germany that it's getting closer. So we'll see. But yeah, do you think he's a better or worse pick, Son, if Kane leaves? I mean, if 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 Richarlison, if they still play one striker up top and Richarlison is that striker, then I think it's worse because Richarlison is a little bit greedier. He doesn't create as many chances. But I think if it's Son who gets more minutes up top and Richarlison also can play off the left, then I think it's better for Son. So again, it's very difficult to answer now. You you if the team loses a world class player, it has to be worse. But then you know, Son is already pretty central, so he's already a good price. So I think overall, my answer is it would be worse. Yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't think he can do worse than last year. So I think he'd be better than last year, regardless right. of whether Kane stays or goes. But yeah, I guess the only thing is he'd probably get penalties, and so that would make him a slightly better option. I, I don't think Richarlison or Kulusevski, or maybe Madison, possibly, but I think Son would probably take him. So I think he could be. I'm going to say slightly better. I don't know. I was going to sit. I was going to sit on the fence, but I'll give an answer. Slightly better. I mean, Richarlison is going to be massively better. Oh yeah, and could be plus or minus a little bit. I mean, you're talking. You were talking just a minute ago about that um, that Martinelli slot, and obviously he he is great if he gets minutes. But if Richarlison is suddenly nailed on for seven million, then he he goes in pretty much everyone's drafts, I think. And then you've suddenly got another one one point five million to spend, and then everything starts shuffling around. So yeah, I, I agree. Son maybe slightly worse. Richarlison definitely much better, especially for his price. Um, okay, last question: What do you consider as the main positives and negatives of having a? I've just realised in two of these questions where the word is of, I've written or in both of them. So yeah, forgive me for that. Uh, are the, are the main positives and negatives of having a one forward draft? And like for me, the, the issue is you really want those two bench players to be as cheap as possible. It's the same as every year. And the 4.5 million forwards don't play. If if someone like Balogun... I, I don't think this is going to happen. I think it's just one of those things that will keep getting talked about. But let's say Balogun goes to another Premier League club and he's likely to play most weeks. Do you think four five one then becomes great? Or do you still think it's it's worth looking at the more, I guess, traditional three four three three five two? I think I think the answer is there. If if you have a four point five playing player, then yes, it is more viable. Because the problem with three, there's two problems if, with going one striker. Number one, Haaland misses out any game. You're playing ten players because you know structurally you can't have a sub. You have to have an attacker in your team. Number two, if any striker emerges in the game between four and a half to fourteen million, that isn't Haaland then you're struggling because you have to basically make two transfers to get somebody to fund that. So I think structurally, it's just not optimal at all. So I think if you get a situation where a Balogun moves and he's, he plays, then yeah, sure. I think 4-5-1 would be very popular. But I think until then, it's just too risky. Just And I know why people are doing it. They want to get a Sala in there and you know a four at the back allows a Sala in a Haaland formation. But I think if you have to go there, at least have a 5.5 million striker so that they can come in or even rotate with your fourth or fifth midfielder. Yeah, so I've actually been looking at this, and um, yeah, as far as I can see, there's no 4.5s that are going to get regular minutes. There might be some that come off the bench, but none, none that are going to start. But there's Adebayo at Luton, who most fans seem to think is going to continue to play. I don't know who's on penalty. Some people say Morris. Some people say it's not concrete. Whatever, it doesn't matter. He's only 5 million, so it's 0.5 million more. The, the main positives really are... 
it's all around how comfortable you are with the six to six point five million forwards. If you don't want to go and spend the money on Jesus, then you are looking at like a Calvert Lewin or someone like that. And if you don't like any of the options, getting a five million forward instead that sits on your bench most weeks allows you to get like a five million defender. So that's where you save the money. So yeah. you spend you spend that extra point five on Adebayo rather than a four point five million forward, but you save it by having a five million defender instead of Calvert Lewin for six million. So that's the main positives. But I will say. In, unless you make that team with someone like Salah, it does then become quite difficult to move the funds around because you start to spread it out a little bit more. So if there is someone that emerges, it might not be two transfers; it might be three or four. Um, right. So I think I think that kind of formation is for someone that can stick to their guns. If you're someone that needs jerks, I think you need to go a little bit more flexible than a four-five-one. And I would say a lot of people are um, way more knee-jerky than they think they are. So I, I think four-five-one is just for certain managers like I, the, I looked at it for example i had pedro porro on the bench with botman no sorry pedro porro and adebayo on the bench for game week one play botman against villa then in game week two you actually bench the two defenders and you play three five two with the luton player up front but then you're playing a luton attacker and i just <laughs> it, do, it doesn't feel right even against burnley at home so yeah the main negatives are we you just don't get that andreas Pereira type player up front ever in fpl not usually anyway but if balligan moves then we'll have this conversation again Cool, good stuff. I'm out of questions. And we've been going a half an hour. That seems like long enough. So thank you very much for joining me. Obviously, leave a comment below what you think of this draft. I think it's pretty solid. I don't think there's too much you can really um, say is bad about it, apart from trying to change it into your own draft, of course. Praz, thank you very much for joining me. Always a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Good luck and uh, good luck tinkering. Uh, so much preseason information to come. So look forward to absorbing all of that and putting that into the draft. I, I just need to say one thing, which I've just noticed, right? Because I am just rubbish at this. Yeah, it's on every single screen, right? So I, I don't alter this afterwards. The graphics are already done when we record. So I've put our ranks there. So we're pretty much the same. You were just inside 38k, I was 36k. But I've given you a red arrow by mistake, whereas it should both be green. So that yeah, was that was unintentional, I promise. Don't worry about it. Unintentional. I got my biggest red ar- uh, green arrow in Game Week 38. So yeah, all good. Happy days. That's the time you want to do it. Thank you very much for watching. If you enjoyed that, make sure to give it a like. Hit that subscribe button if you haven't done so already. And I'm sure Praz will be on again soon. And I'll catch you again soon as well. Sports Social Podcast Network.